Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is October 1st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and welcome to the regular season. Oh, baby, can you believe it? Can you believe it? It is back. It's been way too long, it feels like. Well, I mean... It was a short off season, but if hockey could be all the time, it'd be great. But it's finally back. The regular season is back. The Bruins start in two nights. Uh, the other t- some other teams start literally tomorrow night. I am so excited, and I'm so excited to see sort of what this podcast becomes and what it can become with you guys um, during this year. This is going to be a huge year for you, for me, for everybody. It's going to be fun, and I'm really excited to have you along for the ride. Um, so to start this season, to kick this real regular season off, I had my good friend Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports come on and we previewed the Bruins season. And at the end, we sort of, as we were wrapping up, we were like, oh, how about that Metropolitan Division? That's looking pretty contentious, right? So we talked about that for the last five or six minutes. So if you want to hang on for that, that's also really good at the end. But this is a Bruins season preview. And we had a lot of hot takes. We had a lot of predictions. Hopefully they're all right. For our sake, you might not want them to be right for your sake. So we'll see. But I think you'll like this episode. And let's get into it. Here's my conversation and my season preview with Pete Blackburn. And we're here with Pete Blackburn. Pete, what is up? Uh, not too much. Getting ready for another season. It's a couple days away. Isn't that nuts? It's it, here. Uh... It usually, so I'll say, so I'll say this, like the, the off season usually feels longer than this one. And I'll tell you why I think it's because the, the Bruins lost the Stanley Cup and it took a while to get over that. And, uh, I, I kind of just like pushed hockey away for a couple months. And so I think it, it kind of shortened the off season. I didn't get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm dying for hockey to come back. But now that it's right on the horizon, I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. Well, yeah, and also you have every NHL team, every NHL team's fans in your Twitter mentions like daily. Whereas I just have Bruins people. You have everybody. You're pissing off Toronto fans. You're pissing off every possible fan base you could imagine. So it's for you. It's there's a constant like "Mm," you know, it's a barrage of people, and and you're just one man. You're more powerful than them, but it's just one man. Um, but yeah, I, it's so cool to have hockey back. Uh, it was such a short off season. I mean, really, cause for us Bruins people, I mean, it hurt your Bruins guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
two and a half month off season. Not much, but I, it's crazy that it's back this week. So we're going to spend this episode uh, sort of previewing the season, doing the old general stuff. If you disagree with us, if you want to let us know, go for it. Uh, but we're going to start in a different place that I didn't expect to go until a picture went viral. I don't have the tweet up in front of me, but uh, after Saturday's preseason game, after the Bruins killed Chicago Blackhawks, um, not the Chicago Blackhawks, the uh, the Rockford Ice Hogs, the Rockford Ice Hogs, the AHL affiliate. Um, the picture went viral, and it had nothing to do with the game. It was the seats and the stands at TD Garden. No legroom, none. And I, ca- I, I, I have a friend who was at that game. I DM'd him. I said, "Hey, like." Did you feel the same way? He was sitting seven rows from the ice. Said, hell yeah. I was sitting spread eagle the entire time. There's no room. Pete, how quickly, if it already hasn't, how quickly has this become a PR nightmare for the Bruins? Oh, I mean, it's very bad. It's optically, it's terrible because it just looks like a cash grab, which it absolutely is. Shocker. The Jacobs family (laughs) just wants to line their pockets a little bit more. I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like the, the, I heard rumblings that the, they're like the leg room was being taken away a little bit. It was being reduced. Uh, not my wildest dreams would I ever have imagined that it was that bad. And the tweet that went viral was like, there's about six inches of legroom, and honestly, that did not seem like that much of an exaggeration. There was inches of legroom, and that's on the lower level. And I, I, so from what I've been told, the like the balcony is a little bit better than that. Um, like there is a little bit more room, which just goes to prove my my stance on hockey seating in general. Like it's it's better to be higher up. But the balcony, one hundred percent. The balcony is the place that you want to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously disappointing because it's that this is a move that, and they're marketing it as like, we did this for the fans. Here's an upgrade HDR seating, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is clearly not for the fans because this looks like an absolute nightmare. And I also just think that like the black seats kind of take a little bit, bit of personality out of the, out of the garden. Like I liked the gold seats. They might've been an eyesore for some people. But it was a defining characteristic of the Bruins' home building, so I, I'm a little bit disappointed that we went with the uh, the black seats. So I, the black seats haven't affected me as much. What I didn't like was last season when they changed the lighting in the in the seats because I liked the I liked I don't like the Staples Center vibe going on there. They did the same thing with the Celtics. I didn't like it. I like it to be really light. You can see the fans going nuts. It's more on top of you rather than like not happening. So my issue wasn't even the gold seats. It was more what they did last off season, which nobody talked about, which was the lighting on the part of the leg room. What a start for the, for the Jacobs kids owning the Bruins. Like they're not even a month into this news being public and they are already being deemed complete cash grabbers. And I think that is the biggest takeaway coming from this, that, you know, Jeremy Jacobs was known not to spend a lot of money. He liked to, you know, nickel and dime every fan. This is outrageous. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) No, there's a clear, clear, clear. um, they've They've been influenced a lot by their father. I just can't believe, though, to the extent that it was done. Like, if you minimize like a little bit, I mean, that's like Spirit Airlines. No, that's that is so so bad. Do you watch? Uh, do you watch Succession? I don't. HBO. Okay, no. so like Succession is about uh like this media conglomerate, and it's led by the father, who's like this very shrewd, very ruthless, but 
smart businessman and uh, like his fucking idiot kids. <laughs> like there's there's like one kid who's who's somewhat smart and sort of uh shrewd business wise, but the rest of them are just like complete idiots. So like I feel like the Jacobs family and the the Bruins organization is basically succession. Where, well, I'll where take like, your word for the, it. The, the kids get put in charge and they think they're like, oh, we're gonna make this this very uh like apt business move and it's just a complete PR nightmare right off the bat because they're idiots. It's I cannot believe it. It's not even a like a game into the regular season, they're already having problems. And I, I, like so here's the thing that I would be maybe okay with is like you add I don't I don't know how many seats they added but I'm like let's ballpark it and say they got 500 extra seats or something like that 5 to 600 extra seats you're going to drop the you're going to drop the prices because it's like $80 to get in the building yes. for a regular season game so if you're going to drop the prices and take away a little bit of legroom I'm okay with that like if if it's going to cost me like 20 bucks less to get in the building sure but it absolutely is not going to, and no. they're just going to try to make more money. Yes, and they're just going. I don't. I haven't looked at the ticket prices, but they're just going to raise the ticket prices because the Bruins were in the Stanley like Cup final last year, and oh, yeah. it's a hell. Let's do it. So, I I think that they're going to have to do something soon because this isn't going to be a problem that just kind of like people don't care about because you have new people coming in every single game. They're posting yeah. the pictures on Twitter of their legroom. Everyone's going to retweet it. Everyone's going to quote tweet it. Everyone, it's going to be all over Reddit. It's going to be all over everywhere. You got to do something. So I don't know if they're going to, I mean, can you, what real work can you do during the season for this? You can't. And it's, it's not like a, it's, it's not a situation where it's, it's like, um, like seats at the end of the row, like say the like the aisles were too small and people were complaining about it that you can't squeeze by. There, there's a somewhat easy solution there. You just take out the seat at the end of the aisle and then mm. problem solved. When you when you've got like minimal legroom in between two rows of seats, you're you're not going to take out an entire row of seats, and you can't just push back seats. So it seems like this is going to be an issue that that we're going to have to deal with all year long. Yeah, and I, a couple of years ago when the Islanders first moved to Barclays, you know, they had seats that you couldn't see one half of the ice. Right. And that, I don't know whatever happened with that, but that was just kind of like big for a little bit and then it went away. So, which this, you can see the whole ice. Your your view is not restricted. Your leg room and in, in your enjoyment and your your comfort is. So I don't... This is weird. I think this is going to follow them the whole year because people aren't going to shut up about it. And I, and I don't blame them. Like, go for it. Tweet everything. Like, let them know. And, you know, you know, I honestly think that it's, it's probably going to become an issue just in terms of, like, fan fights because they're going to yes. be literally right on top of each other. And we all know how people get at Bruins games a lot of times. Uh, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of drunk, angry people. Um, <laughs> And so I honestly think that it, it will lead to like a rise in like in seat altercations. Yeah. And just, you're so close to the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person behind you that it's like, you know, if they're rubbing up on you the whole Basically game, a mosh pit. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's a mosh pit. It looks so uncomfortable. It really looks so uncomfortable. Um, but there's a season, there's a game on the ice that we have to preview this year. There's 82 games in the regular season. So, my first question for you is, what's the biggest problem facing the Bruins? We might have just tackled it. We might have yeah. just faced the biggest problem. Fans. 
angry fans and no legroom might be the biggest problem facing the Bruins this year. But if I had to press you for the biggest problem on the ice, what would it be? Uh, I mean, I think the most pressing thing is, is, you know, the, the right side. Um, obviously they didn't really address that, that second line right wing. And maybe it's, maybe it's Charlie Coyle who ends up there, but then you, you get another problem where you might be dealing with a depth issue, uh, down the middle. So I would say it's, it's some combination of finding a consistent solid winger for, for David Krejci or, or like adding additional depth because they did lose depth during the off season and you're taking a chance on some of these younger guys who might not be ready to step up and fill those roles. It's, it's sort of, we're sort of back to square one where we were last year. Yeah. The storyline hasn't changed. The depth is probably the team's biggest issue. Another issue I think is, and I've been saying this for a while, they're probably going to start slow. I wouldn't be surprised if they started slow out the gate and well, they have games, a road trip. They have a road trip right out of the gate. I think they yeah. have three or four games on the road before they head home. It's Dallas, Arizona, I and then it's Vegas, Colorado, Vegas. one yeah. of the two. Yeah. And and then they're home against like Anaheim, I believe. They're, and then they play home opener is against uh is against the Devils. Devils, then Anaheim, then it's Tampa Bay, and then they go to Toronto for a home and home. Okay. So not any, and then they play St. Louis at the end of the month, the Rangers at the end of the month. They have a very tough October. Totally would not be surprised if they start out slow. I, I don't know. I just, you know, the Stanley Cup hangover is going to be hanging around. Well, not that they didn't win, but, you know, they were in it and there was a short offseason. They have a lot of veterans. So right. I think the biggest problem is depth, as you said, or starting really, really slow. One thing, and I just kind of mentioned it, the Atlantic Division is really good. And, yeah. and not just the top three teams. No. The rest I, of the division, like yeah. the Panthers, long-term that Bobrovsky contract will suck. But for now, it's Sergei Bobrovsky. Like, he's a playoff-caliber goalie. He will get you to the playoffs. That was the biggest problem last year. The Sabres have to come through at some point. Is, is this – is one of the three teams at the top of the Atlantic going to get pushed by somebody else? Pushed out by uh, somebody else? Um. No, I, I still think the top three teams are going to stick, uh, but I do believe the, the Panthers are going to end up really close to like that third spot. Um, I think it'll be not necessarily neck and neck, but it, it'll be t- too close for comfort. And honestly, I think the Bruins are going to end up in that spot. I did my season preview for CBS Sports, and I had uh, Tampa number one, uh, Toronto number two, the Bruins three, and Florida four. And... Honestly, I, I put I put a uh, Montreal five. I think people are sleeping on Montreal. They've got a lot of good young players. They were pretty good last year. Uh, they're just a, a tough team to play against. And they've got some some young talent. And they took a step in the right direction. But yeah, I, I think the Bruins in Florida could end up really close in standings by the end of the year. Um, obviously, I think the biggest concern if you're a Bruins fan is not Florida at four. It would be Toronto at two because if you end up uh, two and three and you end up that, that third spot in the division is going to be a, a real, a real pain in the ass because you're going to have to go uh, on the road in, in uh, the first round of the playoffs. Yes. So this hits at my next point. 
they play Toronto and uh, they're going to play Toronto again, most likely in the first yeah. round. It's, That's going to happen. It's insane that we're, we're like two days before the start of the season and we probably know who they're going to play in the first round. That's a whole nother topic of how I just hate the playoff system that the, the NHL has right now. I mean, part of why hockey's great is you never know who's going to win, but now with the playoff formatting, you know who's going to play who most likely, yeah. especially in the Atlantic. It's going to be Bruins and Maple Leafs. I was going to save this for the end, how what I think the Bruins will do in the playoffs, but since we're talking about it now, I might as well just say it. I think they're out in the first round. This, I think I think they're out in the first round if they, if they get that three seed. I mean, obviously, yeah, so, it's, it's tough to say like before the season even starts. <laughs> like, oh, I think they're out in the first round this year. But like, if, if things go the, the way that I expect or the way that I'm kind of projecting, it would I think it would be tough for the Bruins this year to go into Toronto, be on the road, and uh, and win in seven. Like I, I'm, I still think you can make all the jokes you want, and God knows I do all the time. But Toronto is a dangerous team, and Toronto is yes. a dangerous team if they have home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, so my thing is, I think Bruins probably finish there because Toronto after this year is so uncertain, especially on defense. This, it, you know, you have to think the past two years the Bruins have narrowly squeaked by them uh, in a seven game series. The Bruins are coming off a Stanley Cup loss. Toronto's coming off two straight first-round losses. It's just kind of – and Toronto got better this offseason. Tyson Berry is yeah. very good. Alexander Kerfoot, I don't care what the points are, is an upgrade from Nazem Kadri. I don't know if better. it's necessarily an upgrade from Nazem Kadri, but I don't, I don't think that they – uh, took too far of a step back in that department, especially when you consider that Nazem Kadri's not going to goof his way out of the first round so, and, and give you a nice little bow-wrapped present uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So that's where the upgrade comes. You're not going to get the stupid penalties, the 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 power plays, because Toronto's penalty kill isn't that great. That's where a lot of that you know momentum came from for the Bruins in the past two playoff series. But just feels like the year. Just feels like that kind of year where they are, you know, they finish as the three seed. Toronto's strong. Toronto's window is, as I said, is kind of closing because there's, they don't have really any cap space. And on defense, it's going to open up next year. Morgan Riley's the only guy they have locked down um, past this year. So I think, I, I got to be honest, I think the, I, this could be the year that they're out in the first round. And I said that to DJ Bean a few weeks ago, and he was like, you're 100% right. So I'm 100% right. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I wouldn't be shocked. But, uh, you know, I, I, I also think that we should maybe let it play out. <laughs> well, we're, it's a team preview show. We got to have fun. We got to throw our predictions out there. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if I, but might as well throw my prediction out now. I'm not saying it's, infor- I'm not saying it's informed. I'm not saying it's the, the end all be all, but right. it's, it's a prediction show. We got to do this. We got to, we got to preview the season. We got to talk about it. Um, so who do you think your biggest breakout player is for the Bruins this year? Um, well, I think that depends. Like, are we talking like first level breakout or second level breakout? Because like, I think that that sort of gets convoluted sometimes. And, and like, is, is it going to be somebody that completely comes on and surprises us? Or is it somebody who makes the jump to being like the next well, level? So that's a good question. I think it's the most progress in their own. Well, Oh, you stumped me. I think that it's sort of, because this, it does. I think it's sort of the jump to being a real piece 
of the franchise. That makes any sense. And, and a jump in your, in their game so much that it's like, so my breakout player, cause I can't explain okay, this. Give me an example. My, my breakout player would be Danton Heinen. Okay. I think Danton Heinen's going to have a breakout year. Yes, he's already kind of solidified his spot on the third line, but he's going to make that jump to second line production. Maybe I would say the 55, 60 point range. That would be a breakout for him. Okay. That's sort of where I am with that. Now, uh, if Pasternak hits 100 points or, you know, more than that, let's say, that's obviously a breakout I, year for him, but nobody's, I don't nobody's, think it is. I don't think it is because I think people recognize right now that Pasternak is capable of that. Yes. So that's sort of where I'm getting. It was, was it's expected that he continues yeah. his upward trend. So uh, uh, like on the, on the Hannon, Heinen trade uh, train, sorry, uh, on the Heinen train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's trade Dan Heinen. Trade Dan uh, Heinen now. <laughs> on the, on the Heinen train. So I'll, I'll say Jake DeBrusque as like a second level breakout player because Jake DeBrusque obviously had his struggles last year, a little bit of inconsistency, uh, but he still finished with what is 27 goals. Yeah. Like 27. high twenties, high twenties goals. I think that he's capable of like 35. Maybe he sniffs the, like the 40 mark, but I definitely think that he's capable of being like a 35 high 30s goal scorer. And I would consider that like a major jump for, for Jake DeBrusque. And so I'll pick him up front. And I think that Matt Grizzlick is going to solidify himself as a major piece uh, on the back end for the Bruins because I think that people sleep on – well, I don't want to say that because I think people started to realize last year how good Matt Grizzlick is and how important he can be to this team. But I really think that he's in a space this year after the good year that he had last year and, and being in his mid-20s that he can he can make a solid jump uh, to being a really, really valuable piece that people uh, don't take for granted. I couldn't agree more on the Grizzly thing because I think that there's no, I mean, he is one of the best skaters on that team. Nobody breaks out of their own end like he does. And you just feel like the point production is going to come with it at some point. And it feels like this might be the year. Um, and even if it doesn't, fit- even if it doesn't, like you mentioned it, how good of a skater he is. And I think that you kind of see it across the league that guys like him who are mobile and can move and can skate and can close gaps are just like, that's the way that the defensive position is sort of transitioning to. I look at Vegas, Vegas's back end is not anything special. You look at the guys that they have on defense, not a lot of great guys uh, in terms of just like, that'll jump off the page, but they all skate really well and they close gaps and they add pressure. And and so I think that a guy like Matt Grizzlick is one of those types of guys and he can be extremely valuable to this team. Yes. And another guy on D that I think, was started not really breaking out, but really came onto the scene last last year, and I think is going to have a really good year this year. Is Connor Clifton? Yeah, I just you're going to say that, yeah. Yes, I yeah. I mean, I think that he's another one. He's he's super offensive. He's pretty good in his own zone. Obviously, needs some more time, but just his play style fits well with this team. Jumping into the rush, all that fun stuff. I think he's due for. Um, not a breakout year to a breakout year in his own right. Cause that's, I guess yeah. it is subjective. And um, I, I, people want to, I mean, it's, it's easy to talk about uh, the wins that Sweeney had this, this summer with, with Carlo and McAvoy. He's got Connor Clifton on this roster for 1 million on the cap for the next three years or four years, because he's got a, a year left on his, on his current entry level deal. So I, I mean, 
Connor Clifton in in three three years at a million dollars on the cap could look like an absolute steal. Oh yes. Oh yeah. And and the other thing, and this leads me to my next thing. What happens when John Moore and Kevin Miller eventually come back? Because I don't think that unless unless Grizzlick or Clifton are playing badly, which I Grizzlick's been fine. Clifton, you know, those two guys look, maybe see. those two guys looked good in the in the Stanley Cup laps in the Stanley yes. Cup final. So there's no reason to take either small, of those out of lineup. Small sample size, but if, if you can perform at that level and on that stage, it gives me a lot of hope that you're you're going in the right direction. Yes, I mean Tory Krug was essentially that in 2013. Then coming back the next year, it was amazing on the uh, on that stage in the Stanley Cup uh, or in the playoffs. And then the next year, obviously now he's Tory Krug and he's you know amazing and all that fun stuff. But I just when they come back, I don't. I mean, obviously it's great to have defensive depth, but those two guys, you know, have earned the right in the NHL to play somewhere at least. And I don't think that their place either of them is Boston. And I think Kevin Miller's up after this year. If I'm correct on that, I know John Moore isn't. John Moore signed until like 2057. Yeah, Miller's, but, Miller's up after this year. Yeah, but so oh, I, I, could I, see, I could see Kevin Miller being a guy that that moves at the trade deadline or something like that, or even before that, where you kind of swap it piece for piece. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's good. He's people like him in the room, but I mean, I don't there's think a lot of guys that are liked in that room. So I don't think Kevin yeah. really the guy who's holding it together. <laughs> I don't think Kevin Kevin, Kevin Miller's the glib. Kevin Miller played the Stanley Cup, they would have won. Um, but we, I mean, I, that being like on that note, like I don't want to make it seem like I'm trashing Kevin Miller because at the begin, like at the beginning of Kevin Miller's tenure, I was the biggest Kevin Miller hater in the world. But that guy has completely shut me up, made me eat eat my words because he's been so solid, and I think that they really did miss him on the back end uh, at the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, I think the heaviness that the Blues played, it would have obviously helped the Bruins to have a guy like Kevin Miller on the back end because they really, aside from kind of char, I mean, play with a broken jaw, there wasn't a lot of physicality back there. Um, so real quick before we get to broader stuff, how do you think Coleman pans out on Krejci's right side? Is this another instance of, oh, we're going to wheel of right wingers on Krejci's right side, or is Coleman the, the answer to all this fun? I don't think he's the answer. I think he's probably pay, playing above his pay grade. I think that he's a nice player, but at this point, I I think on on an in an ideal situation, he's a bottom six forward, and he's probably a really good bottom six forward for you. Um, and maybe playing with Krejci because Krejci is if Krejci plays the the caliber that he did last year, uh, maybe he sort of brings out the best in Coleman, but. Ideally, if you're contending for a Stanley Cup, I think you want somebody better on that second line right wing. 100%. Yes. Yeah, unless Coleman breaks out in his 2011 Brad Marchand, I, you need somebody better on that right side um, if you're going to really contend for a Stanley Cup. And enough with the crazy hate. This is unbelievable. He gets hurt in a preseason game. I have people all in my mentions because I tweeted the injury saying that he's soft. You know, he, he never stays healthy. Played all but one game last year, and that was because they sat him out the last game. And then he played 82 in 16-17, I believe. Played all 82. So he's not soft. or he's not, have, He doesn't always get injured. But. I do have a David Krejci take. Um, I what think is that, it? I think that this is going to be his last year with the Bruins. I really? Think, I think that they're going to deal him after this season in order to, to re-sign Carlo. I mean, uh, Coyle. I think they're going to choose Coyle over David Krejci. 
and they're going to try to extend Coil, and they're going to they're going to move Krejci's contract off the books. And what do you think they were like? If they trade, obviously they have a ton of centers in the wings waiting, but if they trade Krejci, what are they getting back? I think maybe like a, a younger forward who's obviously a downgrade, but you you make up uh, a little bit of a room on the cap um, and just get uh, maybe like a bottom six forward or something like that, or just like a young, young promising like B or C level prospect to a, a team that really needs to upgrade down the middle and is willing to to give up that piece for one year of David Krejci, possibly more. Yeah, I mean, I don't, that's not a bad move. Picking Coil over Krejci, Coil's younger. And and if you can get him at term, you lock down your second line center for, uh, you know, the next handful of years or whatever, instead of one more year of David Krejci. So yes. I think they really like Coil. I think that that might be a direction that they go in. Um, but you obviously, I mean, there's there's a lot up in the air at this point because you got to see how Coyle plays this year, um, and so I think right now I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. That's a good David Krejci take. I like that. I because it makes sense with Cassidy's system. Coyle seems to be better in it for some reason. Seems a little bit better in it than Krejci. Six does. years Krejci. younger than David Krejci. I think it's it's probably the smarter decision rather than da- giving David Krejci another contract. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. So, Krejci, how old is Krejci? He's 34, uh, right? 30, 33, he might be entering his 34 season. So, he has the production to back up asking for a good amount of money on his next contract. Yep. The Bruins do not want to be wound down by another huge David Krejci contract going into, you know, when he, in his late thirties. So yeah, I mean, that would be a completely smart move and Coyle would pro would most likely sign long-term here because from here, he likes it here. Did you know that? You know, I did. So there's that. So I didn't expect that David Krejci take. I like it. I don't have a take as hot as that for this podcast, but maybe in the future, um, team MVP, who's the most valuable player on the Bruins this season. Uh, I think David Pasternak. I think that he 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 makes a jump. He could be. Uh, I could definitely see him being a hundred point guy uh, around there. So I mean, you got a guy who sniffs a hundred points. He's probably your MVP. Um, but you know, I, I think that you know he's he's probably the sexiest pick for MVP. But um, you know, if we're talking about about like who they absolutely need to be great to to have success. I think Charlie McAvoy is at the top of that list because he's pretty much the guy holding it together on the back end defensively. Like you, we saw last year that Zdeno Chara started to look his age for the first time, or at least more frequently than I can ever remember him looking. Like he looked real old at points last year, and so if that sort of continues, like McAvoy is the guy holding that down. I think it's you. You sort of flip the script where. Uh, Zidane Chara was protecting Charlie McAvoy for a long time, and now Charlie McAvoy sort of protecting Zidane Chara. So I, I think that Charlie McAvoy he really needs to step into being an elite back end defenseman uh, for this team to have success. Let me ask you something because I've been having this thought pop into my head for the past like year or so. And Chara obviously is great with the younger guys. He's been an amazing influence on that. He, he's great in the room, all that stuff. Is he hindering? development on the left side on defense for the Bruins. Like a guy like Erho Vakanainen. You might want to give him a look. I mean, Tori Krug, 
I would say at this point is a number one defense, a number one, uh, a first line defenseman. Matt Grizzlick is projecting to be a second line defenseman or a second pairing defenseman. Erho Vakanine, and you give him a shot on the third on the third pairing. Now you can't because you still have Chara there. Now Chara's not going to be here a long time after this season. This could be his last. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. But is he kind of holding things up on the back end? No, I don't think so, because here's why. Like, you just made it to the, the Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final last year with Zidane Chara on your top-pairing defense. Like, I, I, I know that I just said that, that he looked his age at points, but he didn't look at his age enough to, to prevent them or ruin their chances uh, from, from getting to, to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And, in fact, when we thought that he was hurt, and, and wasn't going to return, we were like, oh, this team is fucked. So he's still very, very important to the back end. And if you're a Vakaninen, I think you're a Vakaninen's a, a really talented, really promising player. If he was ready to make the jump, uh, he'd be forcing a lot more of, you know, roster decisions right now than, than he is. Like, I think everybody's sort of uh, resigned to the fact that he's going to start in the AHL. Maybe he makes maybe he's ready to make the jump in, in, at some point during the year, but he's really not making decisions super hard for anybody. That is you know, true. They, but like he's but, been given opportunities and I think that he's, he's, he's not necessarily like going in the wrong direction, but he's not pushing hard enough to be, to, to, to make us really seriously ask the question of whether it's Sedano Char is holding things up. Yeah. And the other thing is if Char were to leave, you know, he plays against other teams, top, uh, top offensive talent. He's been fine with it. Why have somebody come in who isn't really used to that and, right. and, and take all that? So just a thought that I've had. Maybe if Char regresses a lot this year, maybe that becomes a legitimate thought. Who knows? Um, my team maybe Char's last year too. I think he regressed. Yeah. That's not much of a hot take. No, but it's – I mean, that'll be big news when it, when it drops. I mean, I've my, lived my whole life with Zeno Chara on defense. Well, not lived my whole life, but lived my whole watching the Bruins' life with Zeno Chara on defense. That'll be a little weird to see him. I think they'll retire as number two. Yes, they should. They 100% should. Um, team MVP for me, Brad Marchand. It's okay. only, I think it's either Marchand or Pasternak because the health of Patrice Bergeron is sort of – no one really knows. He's got this groin issue that he's had for years, had a PRP shot. He missed a substantial amount of time last season, and it was sort of on Pasternak and Martian to make up for it there. I think that it's one of those two guys. I'm just picking Martian because you've got to pick Pasternak. But Martian's going to have to be you know, a more of a, a leadership role in that line. I think and another sort of- reason why I'm going with Pasternak too is because I think there's a significant possibility that he plays on the second line. Uh, at some point during the season, maybe it's an extended uh, period of time. Because again, I think that that second line uh, gap is is an issue. And it's unlikely that Bergeron and Marchand get split up because they're always going to have success together, no matter who else is the third piece. So if Pasternak slides down and gives them more depth and makes them more dangerous throughout the top six, that could be huge for the Bruins. Yeah. I mean, that's – so that's I, – I, I would be willing to bet that Cassidy obviously switches his lines around a ton in game. There's going to be a lot of games where you're going to see the second period comes around and he's going to roll out to Bruce Krejci, Pasternak, and he'll throw up a guy like Heinen on the first line uh, to play with Bergeron and Martian. That's sort of what I thought they should do. 
because it's, I think, a little bit more set in stone. Um, but they didn't. But it's the beginning. It, well, they haven't not done it yet. I mean, That's true. It could happen. It could happen. It still could for the opening game. Who knows? They haven't done or not done anything yet. I'm just assuming. So I, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that um, that lineup come out mid-season and because Cassidy's always rolled. That's why it never, it's never set. It's not like Cassidy goes, we're going with Marshan Bergeron Poshnok for the rest of the year. Like it might be for the first game, but it could change by the second game. So right. who knows? But I think the right move is moving Poshnok down and putting a guy like a, like a Heinen on the top line. Um, biggest drop-off on the Bruins. Who has the biggest drop-off? Because I have one that is kind of a hot take, but it isn't because of his injuries. Bruce Bergeron, if he misses a lot of time, I mean, obviously his production will go down, but then you have a guy who's playing with an injury. This groin thing has not gone away. He's 34 years old. At some point, it's got to catch up. At some point. But if Brad Marchand's your team MVP and your biggest drop-off is Bruce Bergeron, how does that work? Well, that would work because you're, he's the point of Martian there is he's making up for the lost production of Patrice okay. Bergeron, especially if he's out. So that's sort of why I have that. That's why I would have picked Poshnok or Martian because you're making up for that loss in the middle. That's not to say Bergeron's going to be horrible this year. Okay. That's just to say if he's, if he's battling this injury, I wouldn't be surprised to see. And I know he's dealt with it before, but he's you know, 34 is a year older now. He missed some significant time last year. Wouldn't be surprised to see him miss some more time. But again, when he's in, he averages like a point per game. So I, but that's sort of, that's that would be my pick for like real significant. Cause if Bergeron is not healthy and he's not at the level that he's been at in past years, you have a real problem on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, with either David Krejci or, or Zdeno Chara and, and, the Char one is is sort of for obvious reasons. He's just old, uh, yeah. and again, we we saw him last year take step backwards. I don't think that he was as consistent. Uh, he looked very very bad at points, and he's just a year older. And I think that there's maybe a a, a, a chance that we see that a little bit more frequently this year. And then David Krejci, I just think that you know he had a career year last year. And he played really really well for almost the entire year. I don't know if I see that. Uh, him rising back up to that level again for the entire year. We, we've seen him sort of deal with inconsistency, um, and and again, he he doesn't have a, a consistent guy on the right wing, so I think that could be an issue. My other drop off would have been Yaroslav Lok, but he looked really good in the preseason, and I I'm not a hundred percent certain. I mean, if he if he has a real drop off year you're in trouble because now your Rask's workload's way up and he doesn't have the rest that he's clearly been needing for the playoffs the past couple of years. So that would sort of be my secondary pick. If, if that actually happened, that would be a really big issue. Um, I already gave my opinion on where I think the Bruins will finish this year and where I think they finish in the playoffs. I know I've sounded super negative this entire podcast, but whatever. I, you gotta be, you gotta be sometimes be pessimistic. Um, where do you think, if you look in your crystal ball, I know it's a long time away. I know we're not even in the regular season yet, but we're going to, we're going to do it anyways. Uh, where do they finish in the playoffs? Um, so I said, 
I think they're going to finish third in the division, and I, I think it's going to be very difficult to beat the uh, to beat the Leafs in the first round with when they have home ice advantage in Toronto. So, you know what? I'm going to say they get bounced in the first round this year. Spread it everywhere. Look at me. It's but it's it just to me. I mean, the Lightning are going to. I think the Lightning are going to go to the Stanley Cup because you know you come off getting swept in the first round last year after winning the President's Trophy, just absolutely humiliated. Um, it's hard to see them not making a, like an insane push this year. And it's just kind of adding up for the Bruins to be out in the first round the year after. I don't know what it is. I just have a weird feeling that it might happen. And maybe I'll be eating crow. Maybe I could be completely wrong by the end of the year. Um, I mean, I have people on Twitter saying they're not going to make the playoffs. So who really knows, right? I sort of felt the same way last year, too, where I, was, I, I said the, the Bruins were going to finish third. And I... Uh, had my, I even had my doubts going into the first round against the Leafs. Like I was like, okay, I know that the Leafs have the skeletons in their closet. Um, I'm, but I'm not whistling past the graveyard. This is a really good team. And they, you know what? They lost in game seven and they had a chance to to close it out in game six and they kind of blew it, but they took that series seven games and it was really close. Uh, and Nazem Kadri didn't help them out very much. Uh, so you know, I, I think that they have a better team this year. They're going to have William Nylander is going to be a lot better. Um, and so this is a, it's a really strong Leafs team. I'm I'm not, I'm pretty afraid of that team. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, I wouldn't take them lightly. Yeah. And the other thing is like, I, I don't like Toronto fans. I really oh, don't. Trust me. Me and, either. <laughs> and I know you don't. And it's kind of a shared sentiment among everybody in Boston, like the Leafs, Toronto fans, just annoying. And this whole Austin Matthews thing is just so fun to make fun of because, like, look at what just happened. Um, But they're a good team. They're Mm -hmm. a good team. And this might be the year. This might be the year. They make it past the first round. Not saying they're winning the cup. Saying this could be the year they make it past the first round. I just would not be surprised um, if that would happen. So, yeah. That's season preview. I don't think we left any stone unturned. I think we kind of hit everything. Um, is there anything else that that needs to be addressed? We addressed the seats. We addressed um, we addressed everything. I don't think we missed anything, did we? No, I think I got out all my uh, all my takes and my predictions and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I uh, again, I I want to I want to say this. The Canadians are going to be pretty good this year, and I'm I'm excited for that. Like I know that we're supposed to to supposed to hate the Canadians and, and stuff, but like Canadians being relevant and being solid is very good for for hockey, especially around here. Like I like getting excited yep. up for for Bruins Canadians games, and I think that there's a chance that you know, there's a little bit more fire uh, or a little bit more firewood thrown onto that fire this year, and I'm excited for it. Yes, and the other thing, and, and and I think addressing the Canadians is smart because that's sort of like the Lakers in basketball or the Yankees in baseball and the Red Sox in baseball for that matter. You need these te- these big market teams, these historic teams, you need them to be good. It doesn't feel right when the Canadians come in here way out of the playoffs, completely beaten, and kind of just uh, it's a, a lay an egg type of game. They have a lot of good young talent. You know, you have additions like Nick Suzuki and, 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 you know, Carey Price on the back end. I mean, this guy at some point, I mean, he's, he, he kills, he's a Bruins killer. But at some point, you know, he's got to get his team to the cup final. You've got to think at some point it might happen. Um, and then you have Claude behind the bench. Right. 
Off the top of your head, how many points did the Canadians miss the playoffs by last year? Wasn't it like it was close, wasn't it? It was like six, right? Two. They missed by two points. Really? They were, that... they were a win away from making the playoffs last year, and I don't think anybody really talks about that. Like it, it, it's. I remember when I went back and I looked uh, for my season preview stuff. I was like, "Holy shit!" The Canadians were really close to making the playoffs last year. They almost did it. I because yeah. I don't remember that. I mean, maybe because for for us that feels like so far before that. Like as Bruins people, we don't like we didn't ever to focus on like missing or making the playoffs. It was like where they were going to be seated. So maybe we missed that. But I don't. I didn't remember that it was literally like a win away because the the Columbus Blue Jackets were so close to missing the playoffs. It came down to yes. like the final game of the year and the Canadians were that other team. That was that's right. Huh. It's insane. Like that's what I'm saying. The Canadians are a sneaky sneaky good team. Yes, they have Max Domi, they got Thomas Tatar, Thomas Tatar is still there. Yeah. And yeah, and Shea Weber, I mean, I know he's older and stuff, but I don't think he's injured right now, which means he'll probably be playing. He'll probably be good. And the Blue Jackets, were just going to go off last year, are probably not going to be in the playoff picture. No, they're going to tank. They're going to tank. I think they're going to be the, the worst team in the uh, in the Metropolitan Division this year. Oh, yeah. The Metro is a whole other thing. Like, there's a chance the Hurricanes could go from being the representative of the Metro to being, like, Near the bottom. I know they're good. Oh, but no, I think I think the Hurricanes are going to win the Metro this year. I think are they're going to serious. Win. Yeah, I think the, I think the Hurricanes are going to win the Metro. I think they're going to be they're going to be one or two uh, with with the Capitals, and I think from there I could see any combination of like three through six. Really? Yeah, in the Metro, like I think it's the toughest one to predict. But I I think the Penguins are due for a step back. I think the Islanders are going to take a massive step back just because they're not going to get the quality goaltending that they did last year. That's uh, fair. Columbus lost almost everybody. Uh, you know, they lost yes. Shane, <laughs> Panarin. I mean, they still got some nice players there, but I think that they took a massive step back. I think the Flyers Bobrovsky. are Yeah, the Flyers are going to be – yeah, they, yeah they, the Columbus has a, a starting goaltender who's never finished with a save percentage above 900. It's so, I mean – very dire, I think, if you're Columbus. And you look at Philadelphia, it looks okay. New York took uh, some big steps forward. They got some nice pieces there. I don't think they're ready yet, but, like, they, they're better. New Jersey's a lot better if they can get the goaltending. So, like, there's a lot of question marks of, as to where those teams finish. Yes, but I could also totally see, because that division is so tough, one of those teams is going to flop. You're going to yeah, have absolutely. like the Devils. Absolutely. It'll be like someone like the Devils where the goaltending doesn't work out and PK Subban, you know, doesn't really live up to those expectations or Jack Hughes. I mean, Jack Hughes has been nasty, but something goes amiss there or something with the Rangers with, you know, Capo Caca or Panarin. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be, and the other thing that's interesting to watch, Carter Hart. I'm interested to see because there's so many stories of this is the savior. This is the kid. This is the, the goalie the Flyers have been looking for for 27 years, ever since Hextall. I'm very interested to see how this plays out because it would be so Philadelphia to have this kid come up. He's the next savior and he just fucking flops. I could totally see it happen, but I think he's going to be pretty good, but th- that defense still has its issues. So 
uh, you know, they got they got to help him out a little bit. But I think Carter Hart's going to be okay. I think he'll be fine, but I could totally see it going the other way. The Hurricanes thing, though, does surprise me. I know they're good. They're they're young. They're, they are stacked on the back end, even after losing Justin Falk. But the goaltending, I just sort of wonder about. you got Mrazek yeah, and McElhaney. I think it's a very fair concern, but I think that their defense is good enough to sort of minimize. Uh, I don't think their goaltending is going to be, like, god-awful. Uh, That's true. You look at – I mean, the, the Sharks were – I mean, I think that the – the, the Hurricanes have a much less talented roster than than the Sharks, but the Sharks were second in the Pacific last year with league worst goaltending. Martin Jones, so, <laughs> and there were people. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think the Hurricanes goaltending is going to be that bad, and I think their defense is really really good, and they've got a lot of talent up front. With you know Sebastian Ajo is like a stud now. Uh, Teo Teravainen. Was, was really good for them last year. I think Andrei Sveshnikov is going to score like 35 or 40 goals for them this year. And then you obviously have Niederreiter. Um, like they've got some good forwards. So I, I really do think that Carolina is going to have a very strong regular season. They're not a one and done. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. It's so going to be a long season. It's become a Bruin season preview, and now it's a Metropolitan Division season. Why don't we just do every division? No, I, I, it's it, it, there's so much to talk about with this whole with this whole season, and it's crazy that it's like here, it's here, and because right. this comes out Tuesday, season starts Wednesday. So there you go. This should this should cover it all for you. But uh, is there before I let you go? Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I, I mean the podcast, listen to brunch, uh, but my writings on CBS sports.com. Uh, I'm also going to be doing like some, some CBS sports HQ stuff on CBS sports.com throughout the season. So, uh, I know I just said that I wasn't going to have anything to plug and I just plug like three things, but there you go. There you go. Right. Do that. So anyways, Pete, thank you. We'll see how these predictions kind of go out over the course of the year. We'll put them out. Maybe they'll be right. Maybe they'll be wrong. If they're right, we'll talk about it all the time. If they're wrong, we'll ignore. Maybe it. we won't. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll pretend it never happened. Um, but anyways, for Steelers Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. Enjoy the start of the regular season and have a great rest of your week.